Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copybusta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepypodsta, the Creepypasta podcast. Hello, it's the show. Uh, bing bong, bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. Nope, I, I was doing Christmas chimes and then it turned into just a grandfather clock doorbell sound. Uh, this episode's coming out on December 21st, so it's, oh gosh, it's right up in the uh, holiday season. We've declared war on that holiday that shall not be named because we hate it or our red cups will be decorated with wintry imagery only um it's anyway you're listening to this probably when you're going home for the holidays home home for the holidays uh and boy please wear headphones because i don't need anyone's grandma's hearing the things i say on here uh especially because last episode uh i definitely uh encouraged people who disagree with me politically to drive into a lake so that's probably gonna be like your family at holidays if you're uh an american between the age of um 20 and 40 <laughs> that's it seems extremely likely that your older relatives will have uh distasteful views and also won't like all of those swearing and dick jokes that happen on this show and my other shows, available at weaponizedlanguage.com. I'm Jeff, I host the show. This episode, we're trying to record quickly, so I'm going to get out of the rambling and into the thing we're talking about, which is we finally decided to dive into the massive Search and Rescue Woods story, named such because of the Reddit user being you slash Search and Rescue Woods. Uh, the actual title of the first tale is, I'm a search and rescue officer for the U.S. Forest Service. I have some stories to tell. Um, the subreddit for it is Stairs in the Woods, which you'll see why when we start talking about it. Uh, it's also being adapted as Season 3 of Sci-Fi Channel's uh, Channel Zero show. Season 1 adapted Candle Cove. Season 2 adapted No End House. Season 3 will be called Butcher's Block and is adapting the search and rescue stories. I read all seven parts of the initial tale, and I don't know why Butcher's Block is this title they went with. It was uh, working title Staircases previously, which makes a lot of sense. Um, but now it's different, so who knows. Uh, anyway, the guests I have are the same as last week. Please welcome to the show, Patrick Rapole. Hello! And Regina Barry. Hello! Uh, Regina, please tell us the um, as as much of the stories as you have read of the Search and Rescue Woods tales, which are multiple mini stories rather than one long narrative. Yeah, so um, Search and Rescue Stories is on no sleep, and it fits really well into just the Reddit format where. It starts out with the author, um, you know, just saying, I wasn't sure where else to post these stories, so I figured I'd share them here. I've been an, an SAR officer for a few years now, and along the way, I've seen some things I think you guys would be interested in, which is like the kind of intro you might see on any kind of, 
you know, subreddit where people are encouraged to share personal stories. And then everything's um, just these longish paragraphs in bullet point form. Again, like just like the kind of thing you might expect to find on Reddit. Um, but her stories, um, and I, I, I believe the author uses she, her pronouns, and I'm assuming that the narrator does the same. Um, and if I'm misgendering you, author, I do apologize. And if I'm not, um, hashtag I'm with her? Uh, anyway. The, the, um, uh, the author is, uh, I believe a woman named Carrie Hammond. Uh, the news articles about the TV show indicated this much. But oh, well, there you go. as we all know, news is not necessarily good about that kind of thing. But the narrator of the stories is a man named Russell. Oh, um, oh okay. Sorry, uh, sorry, Russell. In some of the later stories, uh, he's referred to as Russ, and then um, is credited actually as the writer of these stories on the No Sleep podcasts. Uh, I guess to maintain realism, as like our last name so like russell whatever the last name is i don't remember um, okay sorry, any, sorry anyway. russell. i didn't do my homework russell <laughs> it's okay russell's fiction <laughs> go on um yeah so russell's stories range from um things that are um completely realistic something that absolutely could happen which are just heartbreaking um i there's um like stories of uh like like hikers who get buried under snow and suffocate or like children who just die in, in freak accidents in the woods. I mean, this is all um, in, in a, an unnamed national park in an unknown part of the United States um, where there's extensive woods where you can go in 30 or 40 miles um, off trail. Um, it's, it's a mountainous region. I feel like that's a, that's a, a feature of a lot of the stories. Um, and it's forested. It's not like plains or desert or anything. Um, but so the stories, yeah, range from these like kind of heartbreaking tales of like, oh, we found this dead child to things that get a little weird. Like, oh, we found this child, um, that, had gone missing and you know unfortunately we found their body but it was 10 miles from the site where we had lost them and and you know we only found their pelvis and um things like that um and then um some of them are like well we found someone who was alive but um in the first part um there's a story of um, um, a little boy who goes lost and his sister talks about the bear man who wanted to play with her brother and um, carried him off into the forest, never to be seen again. There's a story of a young woman who goes hiking with her mother and her grandfather. The young woman climbs a tree to get a better view of the forest and disappears up the tree and, um, her family waits for her and calls up for hours and hours, but she never comes out of the tree that she climbed up. Um, Russell talks about um, times that he's gone out with, um, with dogs who catch the scent of someone who they're looking for. And the dogs try and take him straight up sheer cliffs with no possible handholds. Um, and then I wanted to um, read the the last bullet point of the first post because i feel like this is sort of the um the 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 crux of why search and rescue got as big as it did this last one i'll tell and it's probably the weirdest story i have 
Now, I don't know if this is true in every SAR unit, but in mine, it's sort of an unspoken regular thing we run into. You can try asking it a you can try asking about it with other SAR officers, but even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything about it. We've been told not to talk about it by our superiors, and at this point we've all gotten so used to it that it doesn't even seem weird anymore. On just about every case where we're really far into the wilderness, I'm talking 30 or 40 miles, at some point we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your house, cut them out, and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw some, and and the other officer told me not to worry about it, that it was normal. Everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to go check them out, but I was told very emph- emphatically that I should never go near any of them. I just sort of ignore them now when I run into them because it happens so frequently. So... I kind of, I, I, that's kind of the point when I was reading this, where I was like, okay, this is something special. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, uh... <laughs> and then there's like the link underneath to part two. And I was like, oh man, I have to read part two. Um, <laughs> the stairs then, sort yeah, of it's... become the focal point for the whole mythology. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the comments, a lot of the comments are like, what's up with the stairs? Or like, I saw the stairs in the woods too. Like, like that's, re- yeah, it's really become the focal point. Uh, anyway, um, did you want to go on to part two, or, uh, do um, you think that's enough? Because it's just, like, a bunch of shorts like this. Yeah, yeah, I think that's enough. I mean, I mean, because, I mean, I mean, it, it definitely follows a, um, a, a pattern. I mean, this is a, someone who's doing search and rescue missions in the woods, so it's just them recounting little anecdotes, and, and I kind of feel like there's a variety of them, um... So I don't I don't want to just go through the whole list because I really think it's it's much more interesting to to read by yourself because it's it's the kind of the, the thing that really drew me to to this um story and why I stuck with it was just because it's it's the kind of thing that might be on like, you know, an AMA on mm. Reddit yeah. where it might just be like, you know, I'm a search and rescue officer, ask me anything or just like, you know, on like you know, one of those kinds of forums. Um, so it's like, it's, it's so, it fits in so well with its context. Um, there, there is a sort of uh, formal mundanity to it. The same way it'd be like, here's what you don't know about being a delivery driver right, or something like right, that. Exactly. Or yeah. Especially since not all of the bullet points are like super creepy things. Yeah. Some of them are just sad. Like, um, like there's one, like, like right in the first post where it was just like, oh, there was this little girl who fell down a ravine and impaled herself on a tree. And I'll never forget, like, how her mother screamed when she saw the body bag. And it's like, it's it's heartbreaking. And it's and it's sad. And it's scary in that way of like, you never know when you're going to die. And you never know when tragedy is going to happen. But it's like, it's completely mundane. Yeah. And then it's mixed and- in with stuff where it's like, a little more outlandish, where it's like we found a kid's body fifty feet up a sheer cliff, and there's no way he couldn't have could have gotten up there. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's one. Um, there's one in the in in part two um, that I loved, where it was like an older man goes missing, and they're searching for him, and like his wife is worried because he has a history of seizures, and they find his cane looped on a branch at the very top of a tree and that's the only trace they find of him and it's like there's no way he could have gotten up there and it's like we don't know what happened but yeah where it's just like like there's no monsters it's just this like 
creepy fucking thing that happened. So it's like, I don't know, are they in like, are they in condor territory? Did like a giant bird like swoop down and carry this man off? Or like, so it's like, okay, maybe that's something that could happen, but that's, that that's weird as fuck. Um, yeah. And then there's the ones where it's like, no, I saw a monster and it was scary as shit. Yeah. Uh, some of the later parts get into stories that Russell has shared from other search and rescue officers. Mm. Uh, there's one story from a series of stories from someone named KD, um, who does high elevation mountain rescues, um, and is one of the best. Um, and she tells a story about one time going into the woods to pee while they were out on a long expedition and like turning around and having no idea where she is and then wandering like literally just not recognizing anywhere anymore wandering until she eventually finds a fellow officer um and being in like full fight or flight panic mode and then finally calming down and being like what happened like i've only been gone a few minutes and he's like no you've been missing for two days um so that's that's sort of it sort of gets into that stuff uh he tells some stories about people who went up the stairs um Mm-hmm. And one person goes up the stairs and reaches out and touches a tree. And as soon as he touches the tree, his hand is just gone. Um, like a clean wound, a hand gone. And then a couple stories later, he t- uh, talks about uh, some another search and rescue officer finding a uh, full, clean human hand uh, grown on the inside of a tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, there's yeah. um, th- there's uh, th- I guess you, you you got deeper with this than I did, but um, the the first story that is shared about someone actually like interacting with the stairs is someone goes finds the stairs in the woods and they're like pristine white carpet like you would find in a modern house. They walk up the stairs and they get the sensation like they've done something very wrong, like they're in um like like they're in a part of a government building that's employees only and then um they stop hearing sound, so they climb back down the stairs and when they get back to base um because they've been out on um on a a search party for um like a little boy or something and when they get back to base um their commanding officer corners them and starts yelling at them and says you you've gone up the stairs and the reason that they know is because as immediately as the as the officer went up the stairs they lost the scent of the kid so to me that was just like oh okay okay wow all right this is wow okay the very eloquent explanation of my analysis of um, that particular anecdote, but <laughs> yeah, the the stairs seem to represent some sort of uh, path between worlds, but um, because yeah. of the nature of the story, it's not really made clear, and I think that is sort of what makes it effective. Yeah, that's um, something that I really Patrick, like about. You have... Oh, I was, gonna, Go I was just say that's something that I really like about um, the majority of these anecdotes is that there's like different ways that you can interpret the creepiness. Like, like it can be like, okay, well maybe this is some sort of like super jacked up, you know, but completely natural wild animal, you know, like like a giant bird of prey or something, um, you know, that's making these people disappear or like there's like quicksand or like, or like some other, you know, like completely natural scary thing that can surprise and kill a person, you know, in the blink of an eye, or it could be like, some sort of like like mythological thing like they bring up you know the goat man and other sort of of these like um 
like American folklore creatures, like, you know, the Jersey devil and Bigfoot and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, it could be something like that. Or it could be aliens. You know, that's the kind of thing where it, where it's like, especially like people disappearing, losing time, disappearing, showing up places where there's no way they could have gotten there disappearing up into the sky. Like the guy's cane in the top of the tree where, where you just kind of think like a, like, like someone getting like sucked up into an alien ship. Um, you know, so, it, and, and, or like, like with the stairs in the woods, like my immediate thought was fairies, mm. like, and not, I thought the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like, it, my, my immediate thought was like, oh, this is like a modern version of a fairy circle, especially with the whole, like, don't touch it. Don't talk about it. Just pretend it's not there. Just go around it. So tell, tell us what a fairy circle is. So, um, a fairy circle is, um, a, something that naturally occurs in the woods um it's either like um a a ring of mushrooms like like mushrooms just growing in a circle or it can be a shallow pool of water that's not there all the time and there are scientific explanations for them but in folklore the idea is like that's where fairies are and in most at least european folklore um, it's not Tinkerbell. It's more like the fairies in, um, if you read or seen Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, where it's like they have their own agenda. They're not particularly kind to humans. And if you make a bargain with them or accept something from them, um, you can kiss your life goodbye. Kind of. Yeah, it's oh. similar to, um, yeah, that, that whole, the, the fairies of folklore ends up applying to so many other things. Like now mm -hmm. in at least American culture, we've decided fairies are like nice and sweet. Um, but I know, uh, the aspect of Pan's Labyrinth where she's not supposed to eat any of the food at the Pale Man's right. Feast. That's a fairy right. thing. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like, she's kind of, she's kind of sealed her fate after that happens. Like, like Ophelia yeah. definitely fucks up. Um, sorry, spoilers for Pan's Labyrinth, which I'm sure everyone's seen. Um, but, but yeah, that was that was something that that definitely you know came up a lot of in a lot of this, especially because it's like there's you know in folklore that's sort of like the symbol of like the unknown, like when when people go missing, you know, because they saw like you know swamp gas it's like oh well that's that's will of the wisp and like the fairies lured them off into the swamp and we never saw grandpa again because it was the fairies or you know it's just like like that's like the explanation for for the like the the terrifying unknown um which i could definitely see um you know the, the stairs being the stairs also made me think of because um Someone in um, who commented on the initial um, post was like, yeah, this, this happens just because there's so many like abandoned human structures in the woods. And it reminded me that um, my my parents live in upstate New York and in a very like wooded area. And actually on our property, there's a foundation and a chimney in the woods. So like Ooh, when fun. it's winter, when it's winter and you're standing in the backyard, like you can you can see the chimney like you can just see this like chimney like sticking out of the woods <laughs> it's it's a it's a little yeah, they were uh, clearing <laughs> they were clearing woods near where i grew up so they could build a uh shopping center and they uh -huh. found an abandoned house that nobody knew was there wow yep uh so that's pretty spooky <laughs> um yeah yeah, I, I think that this um it all also feels very blair witch to me uh, just like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, especially 
I'm not familiar with the Blair Witch movies very much, except for 2016's Blair Witch. Uh, and that expands the mythology in a lot of ways by giving the witch weird time loop powers. There's a part where some characters go away for maybe an hour of movie time, and then when they come back, they're like, no, we've been lost for like a week. We have no idea where you guys have been. Um and that sort of thing keeps happening, or they'll like go one direction through the woods and end up back where they started, except now their camp is covered in the little Blair Witch symbol everywhere. Um, I think that's a function and, of yeah, this. These, that happens in the, in the first movie, right? Uh, it's not as explicitly drawn out in the first movie. Mm-hmm, but they get lost a lot. Like, like I feel well, like right, this <coughs> right. a big part of Yeah, yeah. It's like, about, they don't, it's ambiguous whether or not they just don't know where they're going mm-hmm. or if, if they are actually like traveling in one direction, but ending up in a circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and, and I, I, think- I think a lot of the things that were subtle implications of the original, uh, become explicitly supernatural in sure, the new that, sequel. That, it's interesting that, that Blair Witch sort of not even remake, I guess just sort of long awaited sequel. feels very influenced by creepy pasta um, it's not just yep. in, not sort of just in the way those little details also show up in creepypastas, but later on when you're in the witch's house, there's like lots of things that you can tell are there, not for the initial viewing, but for when people pause and see symbols and like, mm-hmm. there's lots of little yep. clues and stuff that you can tell they're doing so people can look it up and discuss it on the internet later mm-hmm. and like create and sort of fill in the gaps themselves and create a mythology. Yeah, which is interesting, too, because, I mean, Blair Witch <laughs> yeah. kind of started all that, where I think, weren't they, like, one of the first movies to, like, not only be be found footage, but also, like, have, like, an internet tie-in? Wasn't there, like, a like a website? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, and yeah, the, there, there was and some all kind of the marketing for it. at Sundance was, uh-huh. like, m- missing posters, and they sold it, or sold it, like, they told people at Sundance uh-huh. the way they marketed it was, this is a documentary about this crazy thing that happened to these campers. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. like, yeah, that was, like, a whole, the whole... Thing. Like, I don't think the cast was uh, invited on stage for the Q and A. Like, oh, really? I think, yeah, I think it was <laughs> like a. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think they like tried to keep it going too long, but I think uh-huh. they might have gone that far. I was gonna say because if if yeah, I, until like, until if I was just gonna say until a few months after release, the cast was explicitly banned from appearing in other projects or being part of the marketing for the film. Wow. I mean, if I was in that stage of my acting career, I would be super mad about that. But, <laughs> well, well you, they, know what, you know what Heather Heather Donahue did? What she just she just fucked off to Portland and grew weed. I mean, that's she <laughs> she like like she wrote a memoir that's like I was in this movie once and then I grew weed. And anyway, here's why weed should be legal. <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty good book. <laughs> I hope that she has a strain called the Blair Witch. Yeah, no, absolutely. The what did you uh, do with the I, map, Josh? <laughs> I I agree about the creepypasta nature. Uh, I think there's something about the woods and creepypastas that are Mm. inextricably tied. Um, And that movie and this story both end up sort of having Slendermans in them. Um, Yeah. This this with the the faceless man. The woods are tied to folklore as well. Like they're it they're it's the same thing, which is just they're vast and and we can't comprehend their size when we're standing inside them. Yeah. And it's easy to get disoriented yeah. and a lot of dangerous 
things are happening there and they represent a wildness that is in contrast to human civilization. And like, mm-hmm. so like, it, it, like it makes sense that, you know, even way before people were marketing things as horror fiction, like the mm-hmm. woods have always held that sway. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, how in uh, pre-Christian Greek religion, I mean, there's the God Pan, who's the God of the forest. And it's like that terror of being in the wilderness is attributed to him, mm-hmm. you know? And, and like, I mean, I mean, I think every English teacher has has told every English student this, but that's where we get the word panic from, is from the name. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, I well, didn't know that either. Um, well, now you've been caught up on your uh, English high school education. Um, <laughs> so, an interesting thing about Search and Rescue Woods is there is searchandrescuewoods.tumblr.com, which when I first encountered this story had all of the stories links to them uh extra bonus stories and a master list of stories that are all tied into this world and now it has three posts uh mm. one of them is stories coming soon another is an announcement of the TV show and i i don't really i don't even uh remember what the third one is it's just like uh carrie has cleared out the um the tumbler for some reason Maybe because that stuff is going to end up in the TV show? Yeah, it could be because of the TV show deal. Yeah, it's the trailer for the show. Uh, The first post is, hi, posts will be coming soon. Then the second is the trailer for the show, and the third is a link to Patreon. Um, It's very interesting uh, that we've sort of come across it in flux, but I'm on the Wayback Machine, and I'm seeing how much is here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of want to go read all of it, but we don't have the time to talk about it here. Um, yeah, I wonder if it's all been like ported over to like um, the subreddit. Yeah, a lot of the stuff is there's still Tumblr exclusive stories that people on the subreddit have had to use like pastebin just to keep oh. uh, keep it archived. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's interesting. Um, there's a readme page that is an announcement about how it's fictional. <laughs> um, there's there's someone named David Paulides, uh, who is an actual real person working on missing persons cases through the national parks, and apparently people have been contacting him about these stories. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's a, how how common is it for authors to step out of the creepypasta? It, once it gets to a certain size and be like, hey guys, remember, it's all, we're, we're having a good time, like, this is fictional, or 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 is there a contingent of creepypasta authors who are just like, no, die hard, never gonna give up the ghost? <laughs> I don't think that authors in general keep, uh, keep the kayfabe going to the point where it's inconvenient to others. Like, when I had uh, Chris Straub on the show, I asked him, like, did you mean for Candle Cove to like for people to think it was real? And he said, no, like he never intended for anyone to even suspect that it was an actual forum log. Uh, that was just how he wrote the story. Um, but it's so I, I think that people just like to write stories this way. And I don't think that pranksters are particularly successful. Somewhere Orson Welles is chuckling and drinking a, a spectral <laughs> glass of port. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's even better uh, when it's on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we have any final thoughts before we move on to our spookiest parts and our plugs? 
Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to say that, um, reading this brought a couple, um, things to mind as far as like other works, um, that I think would be, um, something that people would want to check out. Um, if you're into this, I mean, one is pretty obviously Twin Peaks, um, you, you know, the, the like, um, weird shit happening in the woods, um, and the, the sort of feel to it is very, um, it was just super Twin Peaks to me. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just because, like, I got into Twin Peaks over the summer, and it's it's Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks. Yeah, sure. Uh, season anyway. three, season three especially. I, I that's would say this is the year. Season three, yet, this but. is the year everyone got really into Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So that was the obvious plug, but also um, there is a found footage horror movie called Willow Creek, directed by of all people Bobcat Goldthwait, which is I really like, wanted to see that. That's a Bigfoot movie, right? Yeah, and it's fucking terrifying. There's like, there's like one scene. I won't give it away, but um, most of the horror is like very. It's very Blair Witch esque, where a lot of the horror just comes down to like the acting. Yeah, and some there's not very, a lot of spooky faces jumping out at the camera. Yeah, and just like some very basic sound effects. It is. Ugh. It's good. Yeah, it's a good scene. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so, that that that's been on my Halloween marathon list, but keeps coming off and on of Netflix. So I haven't oh, gotten okay. to it. Oh, okay. Well, definitely when it's when it's on, like like check it out because it is it's peak search and rescue. Um, Spookiest I, part. I think my last note was nature is scary! Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> yes, that that is that was a that was a uh, guest think, observation from Ralph Wiggum. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. Well, no, I mean, but I mean, like, I think, I think the reason that, like, that this got to me so much was just, like, I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up, like I said, like, I grew up in the middle of the woods, and I just, I never really got into, um, like, camping that much. I mean, like, you know, I would go to summer camp, and I go on, like, nature walks and Girl Scouts and stuff like that, and, like, I still like going to parks, and I mean, I mean, I'm neo-pagan, so obviously, like, woo-woo nature, but there's still like a deeply terrifying aspect of being alone in nature. Like even when I've gone to like national parks where I'm not that far off the trail, but if I'm by myself, I'm just like, fuck, I could die at any moment. I could, I could break my, my, my leg and no one's going to find me for a few hours. And it's just like that, like underlying terror when you're alone in the woods or like, you know, when I'm at my parents' house, it's like, I don't go outside after dark. I don't, (laughs) <laughs> I it's it's yeah it's so it's just like I I think that's I, I think maybe that's like I, I think that's why I'm neo pagan is just because like I am so afraid of nature it's just like well I guess I can this could just be like spiritual awe well, you, yeah you have some respect <laughs> yeah yeah respect's a way to yeah. put it I, I, <laughs> if you can't I, beat them join them I I went the other way with it I really hate nature yeah yeah you, you for know. the same reason yeah I'm so a you're person. a you're a techno pagan then you worship the technology. <laughs> I like to think of myself as what's what's the religion at the end of Lawnmower Man? Oh, I, th- I thought you were going to say that you worship Paul McCartney's Ram. That you know what? If people listen to the last episode, they might know that Paul McCartney's Ram is an excellent album. Slept on, I'd say. Go ahead, check that out. Um, <laughs> so, spookiest parts. Um, spookiest parts. I think for me is um. The guy's cane at the top of the tree. Ooh, I expected it to be the staircase. Uh, We were wrong. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Patrick, how about you? What's your spookiest part? 
So I only read part one. I didn't realize this was such a like big, complicated world. And so like for the most of it, I was like, okay, so it's about like this Bigfoot with no face, like this. And I didn't realize like the stairs were expounded upon and everything. Um, but I did like the uh, the dogs walking right into a cliff face yeah. and like the scent actually being on the other side of the mountain, like the dogs are smelling through the cliff face. That also made me think of fairies. There's a movie Absentia. Oh yeah. That is sort of about like the tunnels underneath like this California town. And like, yeah, that's another one that, that goes, that really does an effective job of just like the terror of a missing person. Yeah. That movie's, that movie is all about like, yeah, the emotional fallout of this like missing person and this uh, sort of insect fairy kind of a, creature yeah who and it's yeah and like but the idea like these tunnels being these entryways into this other world the idea of like the mountain being the entryway but you can't actually walk through it if you're a human being yeah um sort of and the i guess the general imagery of these entryways to other worlds and the sort of upward motion that they take yeah uh, is pretty cool too I think for me, it's something that's less of a feature of the story and more of, like, the way it's told. Um, once we get later on and Russell is asking other characters, such as KD, to share their stories because uh, he's become sort of popular at work uh, for these no-sleep posts, um, the way some of them – the way some of the – workers react to some of the more horrifying things they've seen, I find very effective. Um, I've seen people describe these stories as Lovecraftian, and I don't entirely agree with that categorization, except for the fact that the people seem to react appropriately, um, and when they're not reacting appropriately, it is Could you say a, a little weird... more about their reactions, just because like neither of us got that deep into it? It's just like... They, when they're, they, he describes how they're telling the stories like around a campfire and how the people have to take like lots of pauses and how they just seem really upset because they're telling mm. stories not just about kids dying, but about kids dying in ways that are really weird. Like they find the kid and the kid has no injuries and has died of exposure mm -hmm. recently, even though mm -hmm. they've been missing for months and they find food in the kid's stomach. Like mm -hmm. someone's been taking care of it. Um, and it's just like their reaction to this huge unknown is like, I, I don't know what to think of it. I don't want to stop doing this job because it's important. But mm -hmm. if I keep seeing things like this, it's 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 already hurting me. Oh, okay. Um, so it's like the, the trauma that they're kind of yeah exactly getting. The, okay. It's 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 uh these post traumatic reactions definitely. Um, yeah. And I I find that really effective. Um, and that's sort of the the way in which I agree with the Lovecraftian categorization is that the characters are encountering impossible things and reacting in ways that feel real instead mm -hmm. of uh, doing horror movie things like uh, uh, I don't know fighting let's fight the bear man <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and that's that I mean that that's real I mean real search and rescue officers or like anyone who's in that that kind of work where you see you know like like death all the time especially when it's like these freak accidents like that's kind of you know, the, the mentality that you, I mean, I mean, just speaking as someone who's like, um, adjacent to the, to the healthcare profession, I'm a social worker. And like, it's just sort of like, well, well, fuck you had this freak accident and like, it fucked up your life. And it's like, well, 
you just kind of got to absorb that. Like you witness it and you absorb it and you have to move on with your day. It's rough. Yeah. Um, let's get into plugs because, uh, I know Regina, you have to go like now ish. Um, so give us your plugs and then you can, you can go ahead. Sure. Um, I'm on Twitter at Tesseract, T-E-S-S-A underscore R-A-C-K-E-D. Um, I write a blog called Consistent Panda Bear Shape, pandabearshape.com. It's about fat characters in cinema. Um, and you can hear my voice acting on various projects on the internet, and you can see my voice and body acting in various projects around Chicago. Cool. Patrick, how about you? Where can the people find the things that you make? Um, I sporadically uh, update a podcast called Tracks of the Damned. I do commentary tracks for horror films. Um, but really, have you heard about Von Elmo? Oh my no, god! No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was just a, yeah. Tracks of the Damned is on the Now Playing Network. Um, check that out. And then I uh, did a uh, benefit album for Hurricane Maria. Uh, I forget the URL of that. I think I think it's relief.bandcamp.com. Okay, check that out. And you can find me, weaponizedlanguage.com, where you can find other episodes of this show. Tell your friends about it. Rate us on iTunes. Oh, join the Creepypodsta fan group on Facebook, where you can talk about the show with other fans, or suggest your stories in our thread. Uh, the image for the thread is that horrifying, melting Nazi face from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. Um, and the uh, patreon.com slash jeffjk for bonuses. The bonus content, um, etsy.com slash shop slash funtimes online, perler bead sprites, order them. Uh, that's all I have to say. This story is too expensive for me to find an ending line. Goodbye. Hail Pan. <laughs> Hail Pan. Hail <laughs> Pan.